0: Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. So today we have a little bit of a special edition as well. Um, For the last two days, I think really since Sunday night, uh, pretty much the whole crypto community has been talking about China, stocks and BTC. Um, And so we're going to dig in a little bit more um, overarchingly, I guess, about that. Uh, So, we'll be back hopefully tomorrow to three different topics, but I think that this is such an important moment that intersects so many different narratives that I wanted to dig into it a little bit more. So, let's kick off with what actually happened. So, um, the Yuan, uh, China's currency, was devalued on uh, Monday, I guess, or Sunday, Sunday night Monday. Uh, after threats from Donald Trump uh, around more tariffs uh, against the Chinese. Um, So he basically, Trump threatened another, um, imposing a 10% tariff on uh, $300 billion worth of Chinese goods, um, effectively making it so that uh, all Chinese imports to the US had new duties on them, right? And so um, in response, uh, the PBOC, the Central Bank of China, which by the way, is not independent, uh, devalued the the yuan, uh, the Chinese currency, and so it went below um, a, a kind of an exchange rate of seven uh, to the dollar for the first time since 2008, um, and uh, and that obviously triggered response too. Um, so we can see over here. Uh, Arbed out, (laughs) I don't know what we're yelling about. Again, this is my point, is that this was all everyone was telling, talking about yesterday. Um, Then, uh, never mind, figured it out. Treasury designates China as a currency manipulator. So, um, Secretary Mnuchin announced basically that uh, that the Trump administration was labeling China as a currency manipulator and would be um, uh, pursuing action uh, consequently. So, this is the first time in 25 years that that designation uh, has happened. Um, and, uh, obviously this is kind of larger, larger indications of an escalating trade war. Um, Sue points out, uh, the irony of labeling China a currency manipulator, of course, is that China has actually been defending it the other way, i.e. propping it up to avoid capital flight for five years now. The People's Bank of China does nothing. This is what it would look like. Um, and so he's making the point that, uh, there's kind of a, um, an irony, uh, or a hypocrisy almost of, you know, when we like the direction of that manipulation, we're not going to label them, uh uh currency manipulator but when it's going the other direction uh not so much. Uh, this brings up you know brought up a ton of conversation. So one was a, again the independence of uh of federal um of central banks, right? So uh, you can see CNBC uh, quoted or, or wrote this article, all living formal Fed chairs call for independent Fed in uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed. Um, Pierre Richard, the Fed is not independent. Bitcoin is independent. So again, this is kind of a intersecting narrative. So on the one hand, you have um, the Chinese central bank, which is uh, explicitly not independent, comparing and contrasting with the Fed, which is kind of fighting in some ways for its independence uh, versus an administration that obviously wants a lot more control. So again, you have all these macro narratives converging, and at the same time, what's happening is that um, the Bitcoin was surging, right? So uh, Bitcoin got up over uh, ten thousand, and then eleven thousand, and then twelve thousand for a time over the course of the last couple of days. And so the question was, is it actually uh, demand from China that is uh, the reason for this? So. Here's the question. Was the price surge capital flight from China? Uh, you have a, kind of a variety of different opinions on this. Um, Dovi Wan, who's a, a an investor who spends a lot of time focused on China, um, works with primitive ventures, uh, doesn't think so, right? So she says, Chinese buying up Bitcoin is a very dubious narrative, in my opinion. One, Bitcoin is trading at a negative premium in Chinese-centric exchanges like Huobi and OKX. Um, two, the RMB-denominated OTC price is now at 1% premium with its normal range since the bull. Um, And then she goes on to say, and I think this is important, I personally think that overall global financial uncertainty does help push up the market, but the capital might come from the non-Chinese side more than the Chinese side. Um, So basically her take is that the overall uh, insecurity surrounding the markets with all of these kind of trade war machinations might be having an impact, but it's unlikely in her estimation that it's actually coming from capital flight from China. Um, in Pomp's uh, newsletter this morning, he makes the point that there is some uh, precedent to think that these that actual capital flows um from uh from from and around China might be having an impact um, and he kind of represents or, or, or quotes a, a few different sources so uh, he references uh, Turd and Easter's Adam and Capitals newsletter wrote from May 31st um, on May 5th the Chinese yuan started weakening against the US dollar 30s later 13 days later traded 2.5%. Lower A huge move in Forex terms. Remarkably, that was also the week that Bitcoin broke above the resistance at 6,500. In short, there's a significant chance that in fact it was Chinese investors who pushed Bitcoin in bull market territory this year. Um, so he goes on to speculate a little bit about that. And I think that whatever the case was, uh, there was clearly something happening in the markets where Bitcoin was looking um, very different than, than everything else that was going on. This of course is kind of captured uh, in this tweet from Tim Draper, NASDAQ down 3.4%, Dow down 2.9%, Bitcoin up 3.2%. Bitcoin may be a remarkable hedge. So this is kind of where uh, you know one part of the narrative has been, this idea that all of a sudden Bitcoin is a safe haven asset. Um, and this is a word you're hearing a lot, right? This safe haven idea. In fact, so much, I'm going to actually turn over to uh, to Yahoo from this morning. They had uh, Nisa Amelis on uh, to, to talk a little bit about, Bitcoin as a safe haven asset. So I'm going to mute myself and turn this on. 12 months has been non-correlated, and now it's a negative 0.9 correlation to the S&P as of yesterday. So I think that that narrative is certainly picking up steam now. Mm Do you think, Nisa, that Bitcoin is the new safe haven, dare we say? Are investors seriously looking at Bitcoin as a place to park money in much the same way they would with gold? So this is... uh everywhere right now, right? You see it on Yahoo Finance, you see it on the Financial Times where they said the euro and the pound, which also feature in the dollar index basket, were up 0.2% and trading flat against the US currency respectively. Bitcoin, which is also increasingly being seen as a haven among traders, strengthened 5.6% to 11,601.32. So again, this idea of Bitcoin as a safe haven asset is starting to enter the mainstream. Um, We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks uh on crypto daily 3 at 3 and in long read sunday where you're seeing this global macro narrative Converge with the Bitcoin narrative in a really meaningful way. Um, now there is a question I think about just to what extent there's evidence to back this up. You know, because what we have really right now is a little bit of Orange Coin go up, stonks go down, and that creates the new narrative, right? So, uh, Coin Metrics obviously are really data focused uh, shop, and so they suggest in their latest newsletter empirical data supporting the safe haven narrative is mixed. Um, so they're you know, they kind of talk about what's been going on and they say, under this macroeconomic environment, Bitcoin has experienced strong gains this year, which has coincided with similarly strong gains in classic safe haven assets, chief among them gold, but also US sovereign bonds, the Swiss franc and the Japanese yen. This relationship has breathed new life into in the narrative that Bitcoin can serve as a haven asset. Testing this theory using empirical data is difficult because of the number of confounding variables at play that can affect price. Um, so then they go and look at basically to what extent uh, Bitcoin has reflected Federal Open Market Committee meetings, um, and the, which are the Fed meetings, and they find that it's it's not really clear, right? So again, this is not necessarily saying that it isn't, but pointing out that this is a, a narrative in search of data rather than data in search of a narrative in some ways. Um, you also see that, I think, reflected in uh, in Larry Cermak's um, post from yesterday uh, or last night. Why is everyone just assuming that if there is a global financial crisis or a currency war, this will translate favorably for Bitcoin. High risk liquid assets tend not to do well in this environment. None of us know, of course, but it seems dangerous to just blindly assume. Um, I think Larry's right to, to point out this uh, skepticism, right? It's important that we kind of don't just blindly follow on and behave uh, as though Bitcoin is the next, uh, you know, the, or the current, I guess, new safe haven asset. However, I think what's interesting to me is, uh, as always, the narrative, right? Um, the What I've been watching for the last several months but it's really accelerating right now is sort of a a bottom up top top down sort of thing where on the bottom up side you have this insurgent Bitcoin narrative that has gone from just a store of value to uh, something that's much different. And and even safe haven in some ways, you know, when they're talking about safe haven as a um, kind of an a, uh, uncorrelated asset that's moving in the opposite direction of the markets, a good place to go when equities are going down. Um, I think that in some ways that that the, the idea of safe haven as it's told in the Bitcoin community is even larger, right? And it's about uh, a larger hedge against the the shifting tides, where um, where not only are kind of equities and overpriced uh, assets likely to go down, but we're likely to see more and more. Um, rate cuts. We're likely to see more money printing. We're basically likely to move into MMT world, right? Like that's the that's the bottom up narrative from the Bitcoiner folks. Um, over the last couple of weeks, especially, that started to converge with some of the global macro folks who are coming in and uh, and coming to the similar similar conclusions around where Bitcoin sits. You know where crypto assets in general might sit, but certainly where Bitcoin sits um, as kind of a generational hedge. What it means for millennials who aren't. About to go buy overpriced stocks, for example. So yeah, again, it's, it's always dangerous when you're dealing in narratives to, uh, to to forget that narratives are self-fulfilling prophecy to some extent, and that usually the people who are kind of the loudest about promoting particular narratives have an interest in that narrative coming to be. That doesn't mean that narratives aren't true um, or that they don't contain kernels of truth. It just means that we should be a little bit skeptical and, and not let them sway our short term behavior in particular too much. However, it is still interesting to note to what extent this narrative of Bitcoin as a safe haven asset is increasingly um, shared between global macro folks and the Bitcoin community. And to what extent that's starting to find its way into mainstream media coverage. Um, So again, this is obviously an emerging story. It will continue to play out along the lines of this trade war. But it is fascinating and, uh, as ever, shows just how dynamic this, this market is um, and this industry is, and uh, we'll continue to watch it here. So thanks for hanging out. Hopefully this was a little bit uh, this was useful to you as you try to sort out why everyone's talking about China and the UN and currency devaluation and what it means for Bitcoin. So um, let me know if you liked it, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Peace.